Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Saving Lives podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Joe. Today is the 2nd of August of 2020, and I'm a little bit late to this study that was published on the 17th of July of 2020 in the New England Journal of Medicine titled Dexamethasone in Hospitalized Patients with COVID-19. Preliminary Report. Check the show notes for this study in its entirety, as I definitely recommend that you read it yourself. It's pretty good. There are a lot of goodies in there. And hopefully, this could help us save some lives in patients who have COVID-19. To date, this is the only treatment that we have that decreases mortality. I know there's a lot of news about remdesivir and other such treatments, but this is the only one that we know decreases mortality. Now, some important data to tease out, because this, this study took place in the United Kingdom, and 176 different facilities took place in this team. Honestly, that's, that's great teamwork over there. Good job to those guys and gals. But some important points to tease out is that 26% of the patients who went into the hospital with COVID died. That's a third of the, excuse me, one-fourth of the patients. And then of patients who were intubated, 37% of those patients died. Those aren't good numbers, but that's what we're seeing with this awful, awful virus. Now, with regards to the methodology of this trial, it was a controlled open-label trial. What they were doing, honestly, in the UK was conducting a series of trials simultaneously. We really got to tip our hats off to them. They did a great job over there. And what these patients were randomized to receive was either 6 milligrams IV or by mouth of dexamethasone or usual care. We'll get into usual care in a moment because I know that's what you're wondering in the back of your mind, like what were they doing for these patients? Now, the patient distribution was a 2 to 1 ratio of usual care versus dexamethasone, which means that for every two patients, excuse me, for every one patient who got dexamethasone, two patients got usual care. And it's important to note that they were recruited after the first week of their illness. In other words, they had been feeling quite crummy for a week before they went ahead and were recruited for this trial. Now, 2,104 patients, that's a huge, huge amount of patients, received dexamethasone. And 6,425 patients received usual care. Of all of these, 16% were already on the vent or on ECMO, and 60% were on supplemental oxygen. This means that 24% were on room air. Now, the the cynical critic in me is asking, why are 24% of patients on room air in the hospital? But again, I digress. So the next question is, what is this usual care that's listed in the study? Because I was curious about this myself. Now, as I mentioned, they were doing uh, other, other treatments, and they were using azithromycin in about 20-something percent of patients in both groups equally at this time. Currently, we're not using this in our practice in the United States. They, less than 3% of patients also got some miscellaneous stuff that has been shown to, to have no benefit in hospitalized patients. For example, hydroxychloroquine, Kaletra, which is lopinavir, ritonavir, which was uh, honestly shown early in the course not to, not to improve outcomes, or IL-6 antagonists, which unfortunately, as I did a podcast of this several days ago, show no benefits. But overall, fewer than 3% of patients were receiving these therapies. You might be asking yourself, what about remdesivir? Well, when this trial was going on, remdesivir wasn't really around for those who are thinking about this. They followed these patients up for a max of 28 days. Remember, this is a preliminary report. We're going to get more data from these guys later on. 
And the median duration of treatment, even though we talked about giving dexamethasone for 10 days, the median duration was seven days, meaning that not all the patients got the full 10-day course. Now, it's important to note that 8% of patients in the usual care group were also getting dexamethasone, which makes it harder to prove that there was a mortality benefit when 8% of the people in the dexamethasone, excuse me, in the control group were also getting dexamethasone. But alas, we still saw the mortality benefit. And in comparing the two groups, the dexamethasone group was a little bit older at 1.1 year. I know it's not a big deal, but it's still different, older than the control group. Now, talking about the primary outcomes, all-cause mortality at 28 days after randomization. I love that the, that the authors swung for the fences here. I mean, they didn't do no, no like length of stay or anything like that. No, no, no. They went straight for mortality. And we shall be receiving more data in six months for these other outcomes, but they found that mortality was significantly lower. It decreases the risk of mortality overall by 17%. But let's not take that in face value. We need to go ahead and crunch these numbers with a little bit more detail. All in all, the number needed to treat to save one life in all comers, this includes patients on ECMO, the ventilator, supplemental, O2, or room air, is 35.7. That's a pretty high number needed to treat. And it's not too exciting, at least in my opinion. I'm glad it helps, but it's no, it's not a cure by any means whatsoever. In patients who are on the vent, however, it's more promising. There is a 36% decreased risk of mortality in these patients. The number needed to treat to save one life drops from 35.7 down to 8.3. Please, again, as I mentioned, take into account that this is no cure. You still have eight patients die to save one. The mortality rate of patients on the ventilator is still 29.3%, even with the dexamethasone. However, in patients without dexamethasone, that increased to 41.4%. Looking at patients who are not on the vent but are on supplemental oxygen, they had a decreased risk of death of 18%. Again, the number needed to treat jumps up to 34.5. That's again pretty high. But the good news is that dexamethasone is inexpensive, readily available, and based on this data, there's no, there are no side effects that they noted. But what I will have to say to you all is please don't give dexamethasone to patients who are not on supplemental oxygen. There appears to be a trend towards increased risk with these patients. We are in the saving lives business. We're not in the causing harms business. So in patients who are not on supplemental O2, dexamethasone does not save lives. To conclude this podcast, we'll go over the secondary outcomes quickly. Time until discharge from hospital. Well, this was about one day faster in the dexamethasone group. There was a median of 12 days of length of stay in the dexamethasone group versus 13 days in the usual care group. Shaving off a day off your hospital bill is a good place to is a good place to be. Now, there are a lot of things in creating this paper where the authors had to kind of wiggle around it and skip through certain things. What I mean by that is if you're looking for inflammatory markers like ferritin levels and criteria where they started it and such, well, they didn't collect this data. There's no report whatsoever about lab data and ultimately I forgive them for it. I mean, this is a pandemic and you have to make do with what you have. Same for physiologic numbers, vital signs, etc., as well as for virologic measures. 
Many people thought at the onset of COVID-19 that steroids would make things worse. They saw it with other, other illnesses. But recruiting patients after their first week of illness shows us more of a predominant immunopathological response than a viral replication issue. And if I'm being completely honest, back when I started taking care of patients with COVID back in March and in April, noticed that their inflammatory markers were through the roof and I started my patients personally, not a medical recommendation, but I started them on steroids just to see if it could improve some outcomes. I can say because my sample size wasn't big enough, especially knowing now that the number needed to treat on mechanically ventilated patients, you know, those that I take care of in the ICU were 8.3, I believe I said earlier. I guess I couldn't possibly see a an improvement, but nonetheless, uh, given that this medication is so cheap, it's so readily available, the fact that they don't have any big side effects or anything like that, it's definitely worth considering and implementing to your patients who require oxygen who have COVID. Hope you all gain something from this podcast. Hope, hope you all the best while we all battle this uh, this awful virus. Have a great day. Bye.